Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. We're going through a series in 1 Peter called Strong, and we have a choice to either be strong or weak. You and I are responsible for our own growth, and since I am responsible for my growth and I avail myself to the things that grow me, you avail yourselves to the things that grow you. You and I pursue God uh, fervently, and as we do, God begins to change our hearts. He begins to change our views. He even empowers our giftedness. And so we have this choice as we begin to abide in the vine and to move forward. And as we've been looking in this series in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, we're in chapter 5, starting in verse 1 this morning, uh, we have been covering areas of being strong, and obviously he's speaking to these churches that have ran for their lives. They're under great persecution. They have scattered themselves into Asia Minor, and they're just surviving under horrible persecution. And then he's talking about Peter, one who experienced great persecution, and shortly after this book is written, you know, he gets crucified upside down. So persecution is all around, but how do we maintain a steadfast strength in hard times? Now, your hard times may be persecution from the outside, ridicule that we've talked about. It may be trials and tribulations, but we all experience hard times because you and I have a target on our back and the enemy does not like what we do in the kingdom. And as you know, God's intention, you want to know what God is up to? He tells us his intention. God's intention is that his manifold wisdom be made known through the church to the principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. So what that does is that takes church, which is a local body of believers who trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, who have coveted themselves together in purpose and commitment to accomplish His will. So what God wants to do on earth primarily takes place through the church according to the Word of God. That's why I'm a big fan of church, not because I'm a pastor, but it's because I can see what God desires to do in the body through you to the world. Now, we got to be strong to do that. So we get to this passage to where he talks about something very, very important. He preaches to the preachers. And so this morning, you're going to hear me preach to me. Is that all right? I told the deacons that, and they said, man, you let them have it this morning. <laughs> you back the truck up and dump it. And I said, well, if I'm going to preach to me, it's going to be a short sermon. Of course, you know that's not true. So let's just dig in. Strong leaders. We need strong families, strong men, strong women, strong churches. We need strong leaders. I don't know if you've heard the statistics on pastoral ministry. And a lot of the things you may see online are highly exaggerated that 1,500 pastors are leaving the ministry every month. I don't, I don't believe that stat. We've seen scientific stats that have come up, but it's, it's, the number is 250 pastors leave the ministry every single month, and that's a lot, you know, several thousand every year. There's, there's calamity, there's, there's the discouragement that comes with ministry, but Paul addresses these things, and he, he says, here's how you do this. Therefore, verse 1, chapter 5, therefore, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah, so he calls himself an elder, 
And that's Peter, who also is an apostle, an elder or an overseer. I'm an elder in the church. An elder is not an apostle. An apostle is someone who saw Jesus with his own eyes. He was a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And so Peter is saying, not only am I an elder, but I witnessed the very death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, this is for all people, uh, a participant in the glory that's about to be revealed. So in other words, he's saying, from beginning to end, brother, I'm in. From the death, burial, and resurrection, I saw it, and I'm waiting for the glory to come. And from the cross to the rapture, I'm in 100%, and I'm going to see the glory of God. And I hope you have that kind of commitment. I've got that commitment. I remember one time uh, a friend of ours fell. He just fell out of ministry, and we were driving in the car. I had a son who was young, and he said, and we, were, we just pulled out of the driveway, and I think we're going to Poncho's because you get kids eat free, and you raise up the flag, and you get all the food you want. That's what we were doing. And he said, Dad, are you going to fall? And it just took me back. And I remember I'm at Falls Creek, and a young man I discipled who was entering into ministry, we had a mutual friend that fell. He asked me the same question. He said, Man, he just, I, I never thought he would fall like that. And he looked at me and he said, are you going to fall? And I remember when my young son asked me, are you going to fall? I remember just stopping the car and getting out of the car and saying, no, I'm not. I mean, anybody could fall, but by the grace of God, I'm not. And when my friend, um, Brandon Davis, he's in Hobbs, New Mexico right now as a pastor. When he said, are you going to fall too? I remember taking his face in my hands and just saying, brother, I'm not going to fall. I'm here from the cross to the rapture, and I'm not going anywhere. And with your prayers, I want to be just like Peter to finish strong like the leaders did. Amen, Brother Mac. Amen. <laughs> Here's what he says to do. I exhort you, the elders among you. Now, plural elders, he could have been talking about a local church that had a plurality of elders, which I think the Bible definitely allows and encourages. He could be talking about the five regions and that there was an elder in each one, but he's just talking to the church in general. And he says, I exhort you, elders among you, and here's what he says, verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you, and then he gives, literally, he gives three things not to do. Number one, not overseeing out of compulsion. In other words, nobody should make a pastor be a pastor. I have no doubt with this number of people that God may be calling men into ministry right now. So let me call out the called if I can. God begins to work on your heart. You have certain passions and desires and, and you may not feel qualified but God always qualifies the called. And the called start with a burden and a passion. And you can't get it off your mind. And when you read the Bible, you think about how you would present it. You, you, you long for certain things that the Lord longs for. And if this is within your heart, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your future you think was. God is calling you out. But you don't do it. And you may be in this situation where someone keeps saying, man, you need to be a pastor. Man, you need to be a pastor. Other people don't call you. Your mama doesn't call you. Your grandma doesn't call you. God calls you, and when he calls you, you respond. It is a calling, not, a, not literally you're being compelled by other people to do it. Also, so not out of compulsion, but you do it freely. In other words, it comes from the inside according to God's will, not your will, no one else's will, but God's will. And then he says, not for money, 
but do it eagerly. It's not for the rewards. It's not for being able to stand on a soapbox and just preach a sermon. It's not for stroking the back. It's not for anything else. It is literally to please God and what He does. Uh, I had a friend. He was just a country pastor. Actually, he was, he was a cool guy. He played defensive end for TCU, the Horn Frogs. And he would always tell me, he said, man, those Horn Frogs are mean. We will spit in your eye. And he was always threatening my football team. Anyway, he was a funny guy. Anyway, he, he pastored a church called Glory Ministries on the edge of town. And it just, uh, in my opinion, was one of those beautiful churches I'd ever seen. And he made this comment, just a country guy. He said this, he said, there are two kinds of pastors in the world. Those that believe the church is there for them and those that believe they are there for the church. And he said, just two kinds of church, two kinds of preachers. So it's not surrendering so that you can have anything. If you have a call in your life, you are the kind of person that wants to be a giver without anything in return. Because that's, that's like our chief shepherd, right? That's like Jesus. It's to model after him. So the next thing you're not supposed to do, number three, verse three, and not lording it over those entrusted to you. In other words, not being a bully, not being someone who demands, who barks orders, not someone who, and we'll read about later, we'll read about some guys who weren't so good as shepherds of God. So these are the things you are not supposed to do. You're not to do this out of compulsion. We see that in verse 2. You're not to do this for what you can get out of it. But these are the shepherds, and you're not to do it because um, you have a higher view of yourself than you do of other people to where you want to control people's lives or you want a position of authority to where you can force people to do. Now listen, there's something... Um, that I've watched people who have been a part of movements and they have, in fact, I got a phone call from another state from someone who listens to our podcast. I'd never met this person before and said, I have a question for you. How far should I submit to my church's leadership? I said, that is a very interesting question. You probably have a specific situation in mind. Tell me what you're talking about. And there, was, there were situations, and can be situations, to where religious leaders uh, are guilty of malpractice. We see religious leaders telling people what they can't do and what they can do, and it's outside of Scripture. So listen, the only authority a pastor has is when he's rightly dividing the word of truth, and it's God speaking through the Scripture. That is where we have authority. Other than that, I can't tell you how to raise your kids. I can't tell you if you must send your kid to a private school or you must keep your kids in, at home being homeschooled. That's none of my business. It's not. Now, I can give you my experience with those three things. I can give you some advice. I can tell you what the Bible says about parenting. I can tell you that, but I can't tell you all these other things. You know, there's some people who take the gospel and then they add to it. And you've got to do this and you've got to do that. Um, I'm not, I can't. It's not my job to make anybody feel guilty about anything. That's, I, please, I don't, I don't like doing that. And if I ever do, hopefully it's not me, but it's the conviction of the Spirit when we rightly divide the word of truth, right? So as we go, that's what we're not supposed to do. But what is a pastor supposed to do? First of all, we are to be freely given to this, not out of compulsion, 
but out of passion and willingness. We are to be eagerly moving ahead and also as an example of the chief shepherd. He says that very clear. So in verse 3, not lording it over those who are entrusted to you, but being example. A pastor, a leader, an elder should be an example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not perfect, absolutely not, but as his lifespan, his life story, he should be an example of what we know Christ to be. And it's very interesting to look at what Jesus is like. But let's also examine what a church's view of the pastor should be. So you got the way the pastor relates to the congregation, but how does the congregation relate to the pastor? Well, first of all, we see in verses one through four as we glean this passage, we see that just by definition of what a shepherd is, it requires fellowship. It just does. If you are a member of Glen Meadows Baptist Church, you are literally to be in fellowship of the shepherds, not the organization, not the organization. I've actually had people say, listen, I'm a member of Glen Meadows Baptist Church, but you're not my pastor. I've actually had people say that. And I'm like, I've never heard that in my life. I cannot imagine in what world you're imagining that that is okay. Being a member of Glen Meadows Baptist Church, but you're not my pastor? Well, who is? Well, I watch somebody on TV. I just come here because I like the other people and I like the programs. And I'm like, that's really interesting. Have you seen the back door lately? <laughs> no. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <clears throat> here. <laughs> okay, listen. Not everybody's going to like every pastor. Is that true? That's true. Not everybody's going to like every, every pastor. But here's what I was taught as a member of a church. As long as my pastor is, he's biblical, he's ethical, and he's moral, I follow him. When it goes, to, when, when someone is unbiblical, unethical, or immoral, that is where you have to really reevaluate. Or let me give you another option. Let me give you another back door you can take. You may not agree with the particular vision that God has laid upon our church of making disciples who make disciples um, as, we, as we please the Lord, as we live life together, right? That's our vision. You may say, you know what, I, haven't, I, I really think God is leading me in another direction. I, I don't think that's where God wants me to be. And that is great. That's fantastic. Look, if you're attending here and you're not a member, I mean, I'm on your side. I want you where God wants you. Now, I prefer it's here. I want you to be a member here. I, I will beg you to be a member here. But if you don't line up with the vision, then it's probably more than likely that God has another fantastic church for you to join. In fact, I can help you find that church because I know those pastors very, very well, and they have a little bit different vision, and the way the church has been come together with the gifts and what God has anointed them to do is a little bit different, and I know them. I pray with them. We pray for you. I, I, I trust them and love them. The body of Christ is fantastic as it's represented in a local context, and your vision may fit better with there. But here, let me tell you what our vision is. We obey the Great Commission in making disciples who make disciples as we live life together and as we do this together, and we honor and glorify God. And in this next year, we will see the Lord anoint us in prayer like you've never experienced before. We desire, we pray, our staff is praying and planning for us to grow in our prayer life to attract and bless the very power of God when we meet together. That's where we're headed. And so I just want to tell you ahead of time, that's what we're doing. And so there is a fellowship that goes along with this. 
It's not, uh, look, we love feedback. Feedback is, what do they call that? The breakfast of champions. We love feedback. In fact, we've been impacted as godly women and godly men have shared with us and shared with me and with our deacons. And, it's, and we love to hear from the body. And when we hear and when we get feedback from the Holy Spirit as God moves in your life, then we make course adjustments. And right now, this is our course adjustment. I think Jesus said, my house will be a house of what? That's right. So, fellowship. How do we know that? Well, that's what a shepherd does. Feeding, leading, guarding, and guiding. That's what a shepherd does. The greatest psalm that we all know, Psalm 23, what's it say? The Lord is my what? Shepherd. Shall I want? And so, David was primarily a shepherd boy. That's why he became the shepherd of Israel. And that's why the prophet said, I'm going to raise up one that's just like David, referring to the Messiah, because David had a shepherd's heart. And so when we look at shepherd in the New Testament, you can't help go anywhere else but like David and then seeing it manifest fully in Jesus, in the feeding, just the teaching, just the teaching and the leading and the guiding. Look, this is the way you do it and the guarding. And so there are a couple of times that the Lord, this is my responsibility and, 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 and the shepherds in our church, those that, that teach, it's our responsibility to guard against uh, malpractice about lording over people. It's, it's, it's our responsibility to guard against false doctrine or those things that can lead to false doctrine. It's just our responsibility. I remember one time we wanted to... Uh, the mission team wanted to support a ministry, and it wasn't necessarily Southern Baptist, but, and I loved the ministry. I thought they were doing very, very well. And I remember looking at their statement of faith, and there were some problems in the statement of faith. It was something that we couldn't agree with. It was, even though we, we loved them, uh, it didn't. So here, here's the way this works it works that uh, we can, uh, there's certain things we can do with all religions, right? We can. Uh, we can be good, good citizens. We can pass laws. You know, don't, don't go 65 miles an hour down Knickerbocker, right? That's a good law. We can do that with anybody. And then, and then you bring in, the, bring in a little closer, we can picket abortion clinics with all kinds of different Christian faiths, right? We can do that. We do that with the Catholics. We do that with everybody. But when it comes to spreading the gospel, and it, then we get a little tighter. And when it comes to being a member of a church, it does get even tighter. I'm not saying that they're not followers of Jesus. I'm just saying... We have to have a lot of agreement in order for, anyway, so we were looking at this ministry and I found on the, their website and I was just, and I called the guy and he said, no, that's what we believe. And I remember coming back and I said, listen, we can't do this. And this, they're just, it's gonna lead to confusion. It's gonna lead to conflict. And I remember they saying, no, but they do great work. And I said, look, I'm not doubting their work. I'm just saying it's gonna be conflict. And they said, what do we do? I said, look, um, if I can just be blunt, you called me as your pastor to be a guard. This is my stance. This is what we're saying. So what do you think we should do? And they're like, you're right. We cannot participate. We cannot. And we didn't. And we walked in. We were disappointed, but we walked in unity because there's just a guarding that goes on. So also, there is an issue of honor. And when you look at this passage and you see what is said about the shepherds, then, and also what it says about 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, also Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, when it says that we are literally to obey our leaders, and that, that's a really tough word. It's a bad four-letter word in our culture. 
obey. I mean, it just sounds so oppressive. But there's something healing about trust and obey that God is working through leadership to accomplish a goal, to accomplish it. So that's why pastors, I'm responsible to live in a fishbowl. I mean, it's hard on family life, it's hard on emotions, but there's no other way for you to know what I'm like and what our other staff is like than literally to live in a fishbowl. It's where you can see by the countenance of my wife's face if I'm a mean guy or a soft guy. By watching my children, by watching how I do my budget. Now, I'm not going to show you my checkbook, so don't, don't ask. By, by how I live my life. And then you can say, you know what? That Matt guy, he ain't perfect. But you know what? He's consistent. And I can see, you know, if I rub my eyes and turn my head a little bit, I can see a little bit of Jesus in him. I trust that guy. Or you say, I don't trust that guy. Then that's an invitation to find someone you do trust. But if you do trust then there is a level of fellowship and there's a level of honor. And that honor should be there. And listen, I'm not saying this because I feel dishonored in any way. I think you guys are the greatest church in the world. I brag about you guys all the time. I'll go to, other, I'll go to conferences and these guys will be complaining about their church and I'm like, man, you sorry guys. <laughs> How'd you end up with a church like that? And no, but here's what we know. We know, we know that uh, God calls men to shepherd. And if we don't talk about the engagement of that, what it looks like, then we're not following scripture. And here's what I do know. Uh, I'm not going to be here forever. Uh, there'll be a time that I'll be in a box and I'll be in a box right down here. And you all say, I'm glad that's over with. No, you'll say, <laughs> you say, he's gone. And now we got to look for another guy. And you'll be saying, what kind of guy do we look for? This is it. This is it. Well, let's look on. Here's what he says. So when you look at this passage of Scripture and you look at the relationship right here between the shepherd and the sheep or the flock or the church, and you say, man, this is incredible. When it works well, it is fantastic. When there's, when there's biblical leadership, not perfect leadership, biblical leadership and biblical fellowship, not perfect fellowship, but just biblical fellowship, it is fantastic. But even still, we can get off track. I can get off track. I've gotten off track before. You can get off track, and you've gotten off track before. So what really is the shepherding total ministry of Glen Meadows Baptist Church? What does it look like? Well, let's go back to the principle of first mention, if you will. When the Bible really talks about God's expectation for the people of God to be the shepherds of God. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 34. Now, this is a tough passage, and this is where I preach to myself. And you guys are willing and, and uh, welcome to listen in. However, I want you to know that since this is my responsibility, um, it, it, is, it is the way that we through committees and we through our classes and we through our life groups accomplishes this. So it's something we really all share together. And I'm responsible. When I stand before God, I want you to know what I think about. This is what, when I stand before God, I think of this passage. And I, I, when I think about being in front of His piercing eyes, it, it, I, don't, I don't think about 
the pastor's conferences I go to on, on, on promotion or how to organize this or how to lead better, I think about this passage. Listen to what it said. Verse 1, chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel speaking. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds. Israel's in a mess at this time. Israel is blowing it big time. Judgment is about to fall upon Israel. And he's blaming the shepherds. Some of you have asked me, you may remember this, you know, the church in America, why, why is it this happening and why is that happening? And every time I tell you, it's anemic pulpits. That's why all this is happening. Failure to preach the love of God, the word of God, the judgment of God, the grace of God, as God spells it out in his word. The shepherds are responsible for so much in America and the lack of boldness and the fear to stand up and just call it what it is. That's a big problem. And so here's, it was a problem here. He's saying, preach to the preachers against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to you shepherds. Woe to the shepherds. That word woe is, 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 is a voice of condemnation. It's like grit your teeth, buckle down, the avalanche of the judgment of God is coming on you. That's what it means. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, you wear the wolves, you butcher the fatlings, but you do not tend the flock. Now, they were there. They were in their robes. They were there at the temple. They were doing all the sacrifices. But look what he says. You didn't tend to the flock. And look at, look at verse 4. This is the condemnation. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, or brought back the strays, or sought the lost. That's what a shepherd does. And here's what happened. They were scattered for lack of shepherds. Where's all the people? Why are rolls full and pews are not? They scattered. Why? Shepherds had been shepherding. That's what it says. It was true then. I think it's, there's some truth to it now. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hills, and they were scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. They left, and no one cared. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord, uh, as, I, uh, as I live, the declaration of the Lord, because my flock has become prey and food for every wild animal since they lack a shepherd. My shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. I want to read this whole thing. I hope you don't mind. It's good for my soul. You may not like it. I love it. Listen. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. Golly. People claiming to be the men of God, and God is saying, you're not my man. They wear the robes, they're behind the pulpits, they sing, they say, churches grow, crystal windows. And he says, you're not my, you're not my, you're not my man. I'm against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them. In other words, give me the church back. 
and prevent them from shepherding a flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. Verse 11, for this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for them, for my flock, and I will look for them as the shepherds look for the sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock. So I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a cloudy and a dark day. I will bring them out from the people, gather them from the countries, bring them to their own land, and I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them with good pastures, and I will, and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. In other words, since the shepherds have messed up, I'm going to take care of this. They will lie down in good grazing places. They will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. Does that sound familiar? This is the declaration of the Lord. And here he says it again in verse 16. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strays. I will bandage the wounded or bind up the, the injured and strengthen the weak. And who is the good shepherd? Jesus, John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. He fulfills this. And if I, if I could be so bold to, to, to draw some dots together, to, to make the line together, Jesus, the chief shepherd of the church, is doing this for your very soul right now. Amen. When you and I respond. Now listen, here's our responsibility. We chase the strays. We chase the strays. It's just true. Did Jesus ever do that? One of the greatest parables is, I will leave the 99 and I will go after the one. I will chase the strays. I will go after the one I haven't seen in a while. The one we haven't seen in our life group for a while, we will go after them. The one we've seen in our Sunday school class, the Lord says, I will go after them and I will use you to do it. The Spirit of Christ within you desires and begs to do this. This is His will. So he also seeks the lost. Jesus says, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to die on the cross, to die for the lost. Glenn Meadows, if we're not about the lost, then what are we about? I will bind up the wounded. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Anybody broken here? Anybody experience some abuse in church? Yeah. Anybody experience abuse in the world? Talked to a guy the other day in a really, an environment where you usually don't bring up the Bible, I just bring it up all the time, and he says this, he said, you know, uh, he quoted back some verses, I was shocked. And I said, so you have some Bible background. He said, I felt God's call in my life to ministry when I was a teenager. And I said, what happened to you? Nine years of Afghanistan putting bodies in bags. That's what happened to me. Bind up the wounded. Man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of hurting people. They hurt. There's a lot of Christians that are hurting. I know a guy that cried himself to work for every day for six months because of pain. It's interesting that in the midst of pain, maybe you have a conflict of church and you kind of run 
and it leads to isolation. And that isolation, how many of you know, Miss Millie, I, read, I was reading your book, and Millie, you make, you make that statement, the enemy goes after the weak, those that are isolated. Two things, go after the wounded. But if you're wounded, oh please, brother, listen to me. Resist the temptation of separation. Resist it with all you have. And come back to the fold. I know it feels rough. But all of this is rough. Listen, bind up the wounded, strengthen the weak. When did Jesus strengthen the weak? How about Peter after he denied him right at the cross, denied him. And then Jesus sees him later on and he brings him in with great love and he cooks him fish right there. And he just says this, man, do you love me? It wasn't, do you think you can live life without denying me again? Because that really was embarrassing. He just said this, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. As if to say, I didn't want, I didn't want to deny you. I love you. And he says, then feed my sheep. And Jesus restored him. Now think about this. Pursuing the loss, binding up the wounded, chasing the strays, uh, healing the weak, strengthening the weak. Can I describe that in one word? Messy messy this brother that's had in afghanistan for nine years the body bags he's got all these things attached to him all these barnacles and to get them all off all at once is very very miraculous but it can happen but more than likely it's just loving him and watching him bloom in the lord for your own children for our own community here's what the lord does the Lord takes people like you and me who once were lost that he sought. We've all been wounded and he's bound us up. We've all gone astray and he went after us. And we've all been weak and he's lifted us up. And here's what I'm saying to us who have experienced that or are experiencing that. We are to bust those doors down, go outside and find them. Why? Because he is the good shepherd. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glenmeadows Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.